0: Oh, recorded live. Scoob Obsessed is a weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba new news. Scoob Obsessed episode 170 is recorded live August 29th, 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and it's the weekend before Labor Day. Hopefully, you've been been getting out and doing some scuba diving. Joining me this week, we have the dive mentor, Mac. How are you doing today, Mac?
1: I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: I know that you got some diving in this last weekend. Have you got any in since then? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Would it be easier to uh, ask which day didn't you dive? (laughs)
1: Well, I had other items going on this week, but I did get in. Uh, I got in today again, and uh, I think Larry and I are going to hit the bridges tomorrow morning. So I mean, the weather is good for the river. If we don't do it now, as soon as the leaves start coming down, you know what that's going to do down there.
0: Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Going to block if, everything up. As long as you're not blocking boat traffic, it's the best time to be getting in the river right now.
1: And generally, I think they ignore us and go around us, and I just don't hear them anyway, so...
0: Well we're pretty good it's It seems to be clear enough, and if you got your dive flag pretty close to you, you should be good,
1: yeah, mine's within ten twenty feet of me, and we stay more toward the shoreline anyway
0: in the Niles, it tends to be more the fishermen that's not we're not getting the large ski traffic or people rushing to get one from one spot to another. It's mostly you're just motoring up doing a little fishing
1: right more they either going to a place and they go by as quickly or they're going down the sides just. Looking for bass or something uh, with their uh, trolling motors, they see us. They just make a big arc around us because we're not moving fast. And I'm usually staying in the same fifty, sixty feet area. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did put some gravel down today. Gravel. Yeah, you know, remember how when you backed up the trailers, you got that drop off from the from the concrete to the
0: oh to the oh uh, there the marmot ramp.
1: Yes, they uh, added uh, gravel on the one side don't know how long it's gonna last but uh, huh. yeah, I was down there and I looked, I came up, I heard the noises and saw a truck being parked there and they were putting gravel in the in the area.
0: Huh. I guess that makes sense. I didn't really think it needed gravel. Maybe there's some people with boats where they're falling off the end of the ramps.
1: Well you get that like a six inch drop and for some of those that can be quite interesting. Or if you get your wheel past it, getting back up over it is a yeah. real pain.
0: Well it could be especially you if you you're cut, the rear wheel of your truck is sitting in the slime. Yeah. They're right at the water's edge. Yeah. You could be spinning your wheels for a little bit. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. We'll look at that. Pretty much a, a light news week. We have right off the bat a, and it seems to be a tradition almost, is another dive equipment recall. This time it's from uh, Sunto, uh, A dive hose. And they're saying that Uh, Let's see what they say. Limited quantity safety recall of high-pressure rubber hose. A limited batch of hoses used with the Suunto air-integrated dive computers, dive computer combos, and analog combos has unfortunately been identified to have defective hose material, which may impact the durability of the hose. It has caused the high-pressure hose to leak or rupture, leading to loss of breathing gas at higher than anticipated rates, which may result in severe injury or death. Diver safety is highest importance to Sunto, so that's why they've announced this recall. Then uh, what you do is it's a black rubber hose, outer covering in the hose. It's marked with 5,000 PSIG pressure tested made in USA. The hose diameter is 12.5 millimeters or a half inch. Length is approximately 84 centimeters or 33 inches. Manufacturing batch code is 1812 printed on it. It applies to only that specific batch. Other high-pressure hoses are not impacted and do not need to be replaced. The hose could have been used with their Cobra, Cobra 3, SM36 pressure gauges, gauge combos, as well as Viper and Zoop with purchase as a combo product. To date, there have been no known injuries related to the issue. Mandatory is that all affected products are returned for a hose change. And if you go to their website, which is uh, www.suunto.com forward slash recall, it will take you right to the to it and it shows you all the details you need surrounding the recall. Uh, the product was uh, manufactured after 11-2012 and again the product lock code was 1812. And you never know what you're going to find when you're diving and I think that was the case of this group. They're doing a dark water training This one's from Monticello, Indiana. Indiana Conservation Officer said a vehicle uh, that was reported stolen in 2004 was found by divers in Lake Schaefer on Thursday, according to the DNR. uh, The Monticello Fire Department was conducting scuba, scuba and sonar training in Lake Schaefer when they found the car, a 1992 red Corvette Camaro or Chevrolet Camaro, I said Corvette, with a black convertible top. Divers were working underwater search pattern in black water, and the surface support personnel were utilizing new sonar equipment. According to officials, the sonar operator said they believed this possible sunken boat trailer. When divers located the article, they removed it from the lake and discovered it was a vehicle. I don't think you move a boat trailer and then discover it's a car. Uh, it was well, in about I looked eight at the feet scan, away.
1: Well, I, I looked at the scan, and it, it looked a little odd. It, Did you look at the scan yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it. I, I'm not good at reading these it scans. It looks,
1: looks more like a boat than it does a car, though, doesn't it?
0: I could see why... The, but why would you think a boat trailer unless it was – I clicked That's on that not Yeah. And uh, we've pasted in the chat room. Thanks for everybody who came to the chat. We have John, Roger, Mark stopped in, Jared. Uh, so thank you for coming into the chat room. Uh, but, yeah, looking at it, I, I'm not real sure. It it has – it's like if you look at that photo and you're trying to figure out how could that be a car.
1: Yeah. When I first read this, I thought they were talking about our Schaefer Lake, and I was saying, darn it, I can't believe yeah. I missed that car out
0: there. <laughs> well, for how many years? I mean, that would have been a while. Yeah. We it's an eight
1: I think the last time I was out there, that was a night dive, so it's possible I would have missed
0: it. Well, here's one where, I mean, if, if it's in eight feet of water, yeah. then that that's going to be indicate it's probably pretty heavily weed-covered in that area. Yeah. So that could be part of it. Cause you, that
1: didn't seem like a lot of weed coverage on that on that shot, on that scan. doesn't look like weeds at all.
0: No, but do weeds show up on the side scan?
1: Oh, big time. Okay. It depends on the type of weeds you've got. Quite often, though, you're shooting down into them, and you can't get a bottom shot because the weeds are so high and so thick. Mm-hmm. It gives you a false bottom, so it'll actually mask whatever's in it. That seemed to be out by itself.
0: Yeah, it does. Now, take a look at um, who purchased the sonar unit they were testing. It was the prosecutor's office to be used in recovering lost items underwater. Yeah. Um, The unit is a Hummingbird 1198C GPS side imaging system.
1: That's the one with the bigger screen than I got.
0: It's all about size.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go there. (laughs) I'm in cold water too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in New Jersey, here's some, they called it scuba lessons, but I think it's a dis, really a discover scuba course. The Jersey City Recreational Department, for the first time is offering scuba lessons. It's going to, sessions will run September 10th through October 31st. Residents 12 years or older, we take a one-time two-hour scuba diving course for a $10 fee. So what they're probably doing is hooking you with that $10 fee to get you in the water and discover diving. And yeah. then they... Then there's an open water course from the 10th through the 31st. Pre-registration is required. Enrollment is on a first-come, first-served basis, which will be held September 9th. Yeah, at 6 p.m. on weekdays at the Pershing Field Pool. Classes for children 12 to 17 meet on Tuesdays. Adult classes meet on Thursdays. When registering, proof of residency is required and participants must know how to swim.
1: That's always a good idea.
0: Yeah, I well I I actually worked with a guy who was a certified diver and he could not swim at all.
1: How did he become a diver if he could not swim?
0: I don't know. That was before I was a diver, so I didn't think of a, the question to ask, uh but he he absolutely loved diving, but he's one of those freshwater mile visibility. He, the only place he he did uh Belize and Galapagos were his dive destinations.
1: All I know is if this BC screws up one day, he's going to be in a world of hurt.
0: Very true. And you're not only coming up with ways to look for cars underwater, but they're also trying to track fish scientists develop a new method of estimating fish fish movement underwater. They're using a clicker listening observation network in place. To date, the researchers have used ad hoc methods to analyze their data and typically not uh, had quantified uncertainty in science, knowing how certain uncertain you are is often the prime objective. And this is according to Kevin Wang, manager of the Pelagic Fisheries Research Program at the University of Hawaii. We used to know within 20 feet where you can find a bison, a wolf, or a bird, but underwater the sea surface, we don't have the luxury of using GPS. So marine scientists are... Use sound, which results in a much lower accuracy. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out how many fish, where they are, so they can. So when they do samples, they have a better idea of how to extrapolate those out. They said now they're confident during daylight hours that they can estimate fish locations 95% of the time in a radius of 15 meters, uh, 50 meters. So that's about 150 feet.
1: It's part of the WENG lab, W-E-N-G, labs. Part of their interest is, and I'm just reading it here, it talked about how will the world's oceans respond to major perturbations of the, and I can't even pronounce it, basically they're talking about enormous removals of fish, biomass coupled with warming, stratification, deoxygenation, and acidification, (laughs) and how we should be managing ocean resources. There's a lot of issues going on out there that, as usual, it'll be, oh, my God, all of a sudden, everybody has an interest in it, as opposed to now, when we're at some level, we might be able to do something.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. You look off California, and they've been trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, They've had some die-offs, and they're not sure if it's the currents have changed.
1: Well, they're talking about... Diesel, you know, just changing the pH of the water and the saltiness of it mm-hmm. with extra warming or extra addition of fresh water makes a tremendous difference. Uh, the problems we're having here in, lake, in the Great Lakes is deoxygenation of segments of our lake, and we're getting, um, it's not like a red tide or green tide, but it's basically a depth zone for anything in that area. <clears throat> so we've had a lot of issues inland and on the seas.
0: Now, when, when you mentioned Lake Michigan, what do you think causes the the loss of oxygen? Is it all the muscles?
1: They yeah, were talking about the it was a combination of phosphates again, the clear waters, and the algae <clears throat> and they're basically deoxygenating that section, and then obviously you have a dead zone.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily, we bring our own oxygen with us, or air.
1: And we leave bubbles <coughs> to help oxygenate the water and to help stir it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. See, so you, what they need to do is they need to subsidize scuba divers to go down and circulate all that air.
1: Yes. Well, same thing at Pawpaw. They're now in LNE Bay. There was a article in the paper last week. They just finally got started on the, uh, doing the oxygenation or the bubbling system. And uh, they started in LNE Bay, uh, the news thing was about when you're out there anchoring, please use the mud anchors because the finding people put down the claw anchors, and when they pull it up, they seem to be pulling the hoses with them. Uh. And uh, the last guy who did it moved it 600 feet from where it was originally intended to be,
0: Oh. <laughs> and it
1: helped defeat some of the purpose of that. It seemed to be working there at um, Indian Lake, so hopefully it'll it'll do well there in uh, Pawpaw.
0: It, would, it seems to make, it would make sense that it would. And while we're talking about fish and, I guess you'd call this a form of ecology, they have a diver who has taken it as his mission or her mission to go the extra mile for shark protection, reaching into miles and extracting hooks. Christina uh, Zeneto claims her beloved patients first with a sort of hypnosis, then embarks on what seems to be a somewhat risky practice. She's reaching into their mouth and pulling out the hooks.
1: Well, it does look like she is at least using the shark suit.
0: Yeah, she does have I can't believe there's that many
1: sharks. Yeah. I mean, how do you tell they got a problem until you open their mouth? Or do you see a leader coming off the side of the cheek or something?
0: Yeah, she says most of the hooks have been on the inner fringes of the shark's mouth, but sometimes they're embedded quite deeply. And And they said that's when her work gets a little risky. And there's some uh, footage in this video. She places her hand in the mouth with her arm fully inside, extracts a hook just as a shark becomes agitated and swims off. Uh, she lives in Bahamas and has long strived to the protection of sharks in the region.
1: Yeah, I, I don't quite have that love affair with uh, sea life that she obviously does. Did you take a look at her... Uh... Tank and BC arrangement. Don't those hoses look very large?
0: They do, but that makes me think that maybe she's got uh, some sort of reinforcement on them.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Because the guy in the background does too.
0: Yeah, because it. What they they might not say. Do they? They say if she's affiliated with a, a shop, because don't they do a lot of the shark dives down there?
1: I imagine they do, but yeah, it does not. I didn't see anything referencing, but never yeah. thought of that. But that would make sense.
0: Yeah, because if they. Bite that. Not, I mean, your backup might not do you a lot of good if your primary is leaking out. Yeah. And I'm sure she's not super mobile in that chainmail.
1: Uh huh. I, I do know that if you go to her website, that's a very, uh, very interesting picture on the front.
0: Okay. I'm going to have to take a look now.
1: You're going to have to take a look at that.
0: Because <laughs> I said YouTube. Uh...
1: No, it's not YouTube. What person did you go to?
0: Well, there's a bunch of links in there, so I'm kind of going down. One was...
1: Down at the bottom, she can be linked to her website, so I clicked on her website.
0: Oh, her website, okay. Yeah, I I went right on over that.
1: that, I mean, that's nice visibility in that one shot there.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Excellent visibility.
1: And then she's got a whole series of pictures. Uh, She calls it Dancing with the Sharks.
0: Okay, I'm going to go to the album. Good
1: shots of uh, the equipment. And some without. Vertical tonic, that's a cute one.
0: So, the ones with sharks is what you're talking about?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy in the back is her Uncle Ben. Yeah, it looks like um, that aluminum tubing you have on conduit or conduit tubing. That's what it looks like is on that.
0: Okay. Yeah, going through there.
1: They're pretty good-sized sharks out there.
0: Yeah, they're they're not tiny ones. Yeah, like that vertical tonic. That was the one you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I see. I see her. they pet, petting the sharks. She's got the gear on, and there's one, two, three, four, five guys in regular gear, all holding their gear, no hoods or anything, watching her play with the sharks. All around her are extra sharks. I yeah. would not be comfortable with that.
0: Yeah. So what? What they so she she somehow. Uh, I mean, that's a tour. That's those are tourists paying to to go on that dive,
1: I know that one shot there's one two, there's over a dozen sharks around her, and those are pretty good size
0: yeah they're not they're not uh, little tiny things at all no,
1: they're not, and they're in large quantity now a mouthful you go to that one. I don't think she's gonna put her hand in that guy. <laughs> Did you find that one so
0: uh, a let me go back
1: that's an evil looking shark, okay. It uh, looks like a nighttime shot.
0: Uh, dun, dun. Let's see here.
1: It's between feeding the bull sharks and the curious white tips.
0: Oh, a mouthful! Goodness.
1: Yeah, isn't that an ugly looking guy?
0: Yeah, he uh, he he looks like um, if you saw the movie Finding Nemo. Yeah. He looks like one of the sh- the sharks. Hey, Bruce.
1: Yeah. He don't look like the one I want to put my hand in its mouth. No. Absolutely not. Not that yeah. one.
0: Yeah. You don't want to get a bloody nose around him.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, quite a gal.
0: Yeah. So some impressive photos. More power to you.
1: Uh, you were talking about who sponsored her? Yeah. Her partners are Fourth Element, Neptune Shark Suits, amphibious uh, Warrior, Scuba Wear, Joe Romero, 33 Productions, Waterproof, and another one I, I saw the caption, but I don't know who it is, by... So she does have some partners.
0: Yep. A little bit of support there.
1: Yep. She's Italian, born in Italy.
0: She works for the
1: Underwater Explorer Society.
0: Yeah. Well, doesn't Italy have some good diving? So you go from Italy to
1: Bahamas. Yes, they do. Well, she speaks five languages. Wow. Italian, English, German, French, and Spanish. Uh, You name the certs and she's got them. Yeah, she's a very talented young lady, that's for sure.
0: Next up was we have back... In Michigan, Gaylord, they've got uh, that beam of the, that they think may be off the griffin. Yes. Technicians at Northern Michigan Hospital used a CT scan machine this last Saturday to take x-rays of a wooden beam that could be part of the griffin. The ship is, was thought to be commanded by French explorer LaSalle and has been missing for more than three centuries. They said the procedure is the latest in a decades-old quest by diver and history buff Steve Liebert to locate the vessel who... Uh, which disappeared in 1679 after setting sail near Lake Michigan's Green Bay. They had a crew of six and a cargo of furs, and we've covered that in previous episodes. I thought they had said it wasn't it, or at least they dug down below where this beam was found and there wasn't anything there. Right. So now they're just trying to validate was it the bow, uh, bow sprit or not. Uh, Michigan State archaeologist Dean Anderson has said he isn't convinced that the beam is part of a ship and contends it could be a stake from a pound net, a type of fishing gear used in past centuries. A small crowd watches, many snapping photos as the crewmen unloaded the 20-foot timber uh, in Gaylord about 225 miles northwest of Detroit. The hospital is in near the timber ridges' storage spot, a location libraries keeping secret to prevent theft or vandalism. One end is split, three peg-like pieces of wood protrude from the side, Says these are tree nails and provide further evidence a beam was fashioned by humans. For the scan, it was wrapped in a permeable fabric placed inside a crate made of PVC pipe. Eight men lowered the slab, which weighed about 400 pounds, onto dollies and wheeled it down a hallway into the hospital's radiology section, maneuvering carefully around corners and through doorways. Then they donned rubber gloves and hefted it in the room with a scanning machine.
1: They an article on that down here in Heropladium when they were going to do this. I think he had to put up a million-dollar insurance policy that they wouldn't damage the CT machine in doing this. Oh, I was
0: I, at first I thought you meant for the board, and I'm like, what, the first stick? No. <laughs> but the, so why – I mean, it was not him. Well, I guess I could – yeah. I, I guess it's possible you could damage a machine, but wouldn't that be up to the people running the machine?
1: I think a lot could be, because my understanding, you don't have metal. So if you had some spikes in there – you might get some adverse feedback that you don't want. Uh, Remember they always ask you, do you have hips, and do you have little parts of metal and pieces of shrapnel in your yeah, body? Uh,
0: they, they always forget. I think, I think my wife went in there with the hair barrettes or something. I mean, there's all sorts of things. They almost need to run you through a metal detector. So once they scanned, the computer took the images and uh, put them into an adjacent room. Tree rings are clearly visible. Radiology director... Andy Lanway said technicians count at least 29. Carol Griggs, the uh, Cornell specialist, said 50 or more might be needed to determine when the tree was felled by matching ring patterns with those of other trees in the university's archives. I'm not sure if it's going to be enough, Liebert acknowledged, but added there might be more rings. They might be so tight that we couldn't see them with a naked eye. The rings weren't as clear as those in treated lumber the hospital scanned earlier in a test, Lanway said. Maybe due to age, it's because it's been water so long. So what is the importance of the rings? The years? Right, but, I mean, the ring, you've got a board of a certain size, so the le- the less number of rings just meant it grew quicker.
1: So, I, 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 But I don't
0: get how that's helping them with the age of it.
1: I, do, I don't either from the aspect. I mean, I understand when you cut a tree down the middle or through the middle and you have the whole body of it. But if you take a tree and you make something out of the middle part, I don't know how you age that one. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I I so, don't either. How many
1: rings are on the outside in addition to the inside?
0: Well, well, plus if a tree is so growing, I, if the tree is growing and then you cut those rings out and you count fifty of them, well, that's from now back fifty years. But in a tree that's been cut down for who knows how long?
1: Now, yeah, how do you how do you do three hundred years on a hundred year old tree?
0: Yeah, well, I think what they're probably trying to do is maybe they're saying that. Uh, the griffin was made in a particular area, you cut the rings out, and that each, the different, the distance between the rings would be like a fingerprint. So if you had two good years, one bad year, four good years, you know, you you take that pattern, then they would be able to match it with their archives to try and figure out what time period uh, that was from.
1: I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'd be looking for the canon myself.
0: Yeah, he says he's looking the floor near Lake Michigan, uh, uninhabited poverty island is for other signs of the griffin. He's convinced it's nearby. He found the possible bowsprit during the 2001 dive, but because of legal dispute with the state over ownership of the timber, it took him till this year to get permits to excavate the lake bed. Most of us think this is the griffin, said Tom, uh, vice president of operations, Great Lake Diving and Salvage, a great lake company has provided the dive crew. We're excited to get back out there and find the rest of it. You, know, you, you have to have evidence. I mean, it's good to be excited, but you don't know. Now, did you see this on the same page? Some similar stories? They said no Asian carp DNA found in the Kalamazoo River samples.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That was also in the Heropalanium last week. But well, I had. Token. Uh, uh, they said there was two species of carp already in uh, Lake Erie.
0: Yeah, I had. Uh, Some of the scouts this week at uh, Boy Scouts were talking about that they were, put their boat in the river here in uh, St. Joe, uh, Lake Chapin, actually, and uh, they had three carp jump out when they started their motor.
1: Say what?
0: Yeah. He said when they started the motor, three jumped out, and they thought that was kind of odd because they had never seen, you know, one up close, and these were all three within 20, 30 feet of them. So he was asking me. Pardon me?
1: Lake Michigan?
0: no, this is Lake Chapin right here in the St. Joe River. Wow. You know, of course, that's hearsay because, you know, I'm hearing it from a scout, but he goes, do you think that could be? And I said, well, that's the signs of it. but And it seems like with the fish ladder, which here uh, between Lake Chapin and the lower part of the river, they've got right. a fish ladder which goes to the dam, and then they actually have DNR which does surveys. So it seems yeah. like if there's a place that they could catch it coming up the fish ladder, that would be it.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: What I thought was interesting last week, and I I wish I had been closer to Larry to get that picture. Uh, Remember when we stopped in the middle of the river there? uh He had seen the sea lamprey attached to the catfish? Yes. And then when we were under the bridge and you guys went to the right and I went left, I saw another lamprey free swimming? Yeah. So when we go back, hopefully tomorrow, I will be on the lookout for lampreys. Because yeah. that would have made a cool picture. And now i got to look that up and say, you know, what is the frequency for lamprey out there?
0: Yeah, and For for those of you who don't know, lamprey are kind of a, a, an eel-looking type critter, which attaches itself to the side of a larger fish. And in the case of Lake Michigan, they'll suck the insides of another fish right on out. It uh, usually ends up being fatal in the end.
1: Yeah, they're they're not really cool. I've seen them in Lake Michigan, um, and it seems like it goes in. I won't say spurts, but there's some periods of time when you have more infestation. And then in the uh, the river that goes to Water Valley and Coloma, for example, used to have an electric fence
0: mm-hmm. that
1: was there to uh, prevent lamprey. Excuse it's me.
0: Kind of the same principle as a uh, bug zapper. Yeah. The fish would swim through, and then the lamprey would get zapped. Uh, by, by coming in contact with the, the sides of the metal fence. Yeah.
1: And the sizes, I mean, the ones we were looking at were maybe 5 to 10 inches maximum, but they can go up to 40 inches long.
0: 40-inch wow. yeah. long lamprey, God, that, would, that would freak me out.
1: Well, but they were saying they generally will not attack humans unless they're <laughs> starved. Well, <laughs> hey, guys, you know, I, can, can you imagine getting one on your neck? How do you explain oh. that when you get home? Or your cheek. And you've seen the mouth of a lamprey,
0: right? Oh, they're just they're they're evil. They uh, yeah. Uh, think of the movie what was it Tremors?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Or Dune. Pretty much a worm with teeth all sticking out the front of it. Well, that does it for the news. We do have some photos of the week, so uh, I'll give Mac a, a chance to take a look at some of those. Some excellent photos. Uh, this is at uh, sharkbait.wordpress.com, and that's shark with three a's: S H A A A R kbait.wordpress.com The cover
1: uh, photo is pretty good. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm I'm sure that uh, they thought that you would like that. Uh, this well, is from I I from like one of the fans kayak. of the show. What's that? The
1: yellow, yellow kayak is right up my alley.
0: <laughs> you like the yellow kayak?
1: Absolutely. What's uh, that like?
0: Yep. And uh, all those photo, all the photos on this site were taken by. Uh, I'm gonna mi- hopefully I don't mispronounce her name. Chloe Rolls. C-H-L-O-E-R-O-L-L-S. But, uh, she's got one. That pufferfish is a nice shot, too. Amora Eel. She says she does a lot of diving in Bonaire, and she's in the New York, New Jersey area.
1: I see most oh, of her pictures have, have nice color, something we don't have too much of. Yeah. No.
0: Well, even there's one of them that she did both in color and black and white.
1: The and cuttlefish is neat.
0: Yeah. They always look like an alien star, just some some awesome photos. So thanks for sharing that with us.
1: Absolutely.
0: And then we also have a video of the week. If you remember the Costa Concordia wreck, this is uh, some drones taking photos of the Costa Concordia. I understand that the the people running the drones got in trouble. They don't quite have the freedom of press that we do here, so uh, it's worth taking a look at. And that one is from the GCaptain.com website. I saw that the other
1: day. That is a different perspective altogether. I was hoping they were going to run the, the little helo down the stack just for the fun of it.
0: Oh well they, I think they hope that they, they need to do something where they think they can get it back.
1: Well, they had two of them. You know that one was monitoring the other.
0: Yeah, well, it was interesting video watching it follow the one in front of it, and I can't believe how steady the- fu- the video seemed.
1: I'm sure it had some of kind of anti-jitter anti-movement on their cameras.
0: Yeah. And then a lot of your your video software now, you can run it through filters, which will take out some of the jitter as well. Yeah. But uh video worth taking a look at. And then Chloe was also asking what the music was for the the intro for the podcast. The music is called Outside the Walls. The band is Good Old Neon. And you visit their website at goodoldneon.com. And then the outro was Octopussy by the Juanitos. And that's uh, juanitos.net is their website. Wow. So that, that gets us through the news. So now we get to talk about divings, which I'm excited about because I actually got a chance to get into the water this week. <laughs> we, had, we had the Mud Club picnic in Niles. And we decided to do something a little bit different this time. We did a drift dive. I thought we were going to have more divers than we, we did. But, you know, three wasn't too bad. So it was Mac, myself, and Sir Larry. And how we did the drift dive is we drove up, that's probably, what, about a half mile? What, what bridge is that there by the hospital?
1: I never remember the names of them. There's, you only got three bridges there, two two traffic bridges and one railroad bridge.
0: Yeah. So we we went up to that bridge, and that was the, the location of my first river dive up there. But this time we did it as a drift dive. And uh, the water was, was pretty clear. I'm going to say, what, 10 feet maybe?
1: Eight to ten, not too bad for photos. No. Everything of mine, of course, turns green under there since I don't have lights. But, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Yeah, I have to, I, what I need to do with your video sometime is uh, run some filters through it. You might be able to clear some of that up. But what we did is we did a drift dive. And to me, a drift dive is like running downhill. <laughs> it's so relaxing. You don't have to worry about you know, keeping track of where you are and your time to come back even though you do have to keep an eye on your out spot. Yeah, there wasn't.
1: Well, was I was, was going to say our depth was anywhere from two to three feet average. and We went up to a maximum of what, 15 feet under the bridges.
0: Yeah, when, when you get under the bridges, you get that uh, kind of that carving out where it will uh, expose a little bit deeper.
1: And we did put the pictures on the club site that showed us under the bridge, plus a sampling of the uh, fish and some of the debris we found down there. So we did take some pictures. It did turn out.
0: Yeah, so you can check that out, the Mud Club website, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. You've got the posts which document the dives, and we also have the treasure section. So click on the treasures, and you can see what we found. Uh, let's see. And we, we drifted out in the middle. Uh, a couple times I had to pop up to make sure I, where I was at. And then there was a kayaker, which Larry gave some fishing lures to.
1: A fishing kayaker.
0: A fishing kayaker. You had to pull off the back which that seems to be the way to do it. That's how I'd like to fish. At least you're kayaking, if nothing else. You don't catch anything. There's enough current there. I didn't take my river tool in with me. I did have my catch bag. Uh, So I had to grab a, a stone off the bottom to keep from just going way too quick down the river.
1: And you noticed that in the shallower, you went faster.
0: Yes, that was when you really felt like you were out of control moving. Frequently, all you had to do was stand up and you're only... Need a waste deep in water, so it's it's your river's got a certain volume of water it's moving, and as there's less, you know, cross section of water, it means to get that water through it has to go twice as fast. So if you happen to be in that, that's uh, like being run down the drain. And then when we got to some of the deep spots, that was where it really was was slow. Now underneath the bridge, there was a, a box that Larry found, and then I kind of went after as well and we didn't get it moved but i like to go back it was fluorescent orange i'm going to say about 10 inches by six inches and i don't know how deep it was because it was in the bottom but it was just bright i'm betting it was a battery from like a work light because it was awful, awful heavy uh i found a shovel you found a hammer
1: That was a nice hammer i mean it's a good one for use for a river tool
0: yeah i i took that one out it's a, it's, a, it's in the front yard drying off Figure I can knock some of the stuff off. If nothing, it's one of those hammers you use outdoors and you don't care too much if you lose it. And the, and no, the shovel was a fiberglass handle shovel. I mean, it wasn't a cheapie.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm picturing somebody working up on the bridge and it slipped. <laughs>
1: I've got some nice hammers from those guys from the South Bend when I was there doing that Twicken Bridge.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, you want to find their hammers. Those are nice ones.
0: Let's see. Golf balls. I think between the two of us, we had 16. You had eight. I had yeah. eight. Yeah. Uh, I found, I don't know what that box was. Was that a cash box that yes, I had? Yeah,
1: cash box, cash okay. box.
0: And that was insulated. That's pretty heavy. Nothing in it, un- unfortunately.
1: Well, I like mine, that little purple thing. That was a bubble machine.
0: Yeah. Somebody was having a party blowing bubbles.
1: Yeah, some little kid got awful aggravated when that got lost.
0: Yeah. Let's see, what else did we find? Uh, did Larry find anything?
1: What did you anything? do with the shovel?
0: The shovel I kept.
1: Yeah, Larry found some stuff, too, but I can't remember what.
0: Maybe you didn't share. Maybe it was gold.
1: Well, we were sort of sloppy when we were putting our stuff out. So I, was, I think you yeah. might have already had some of this gear put away.
0: Yeah, there was some uh, bottles. I think we had a few bottles in there. Yeah. But uh, what was the water temp? I didn't happen to check on my well, game.
1: I, I don't know. You know, I'm comfortable. It was. You, you could have dove without the
0: gloves. Yeah, I put my gloves on. I, I, st- I got in the water without the gloves because I was roasting. Uh, I'm on the bank getting everything together. And my I had a leaky o ring. So, you know, here I am in a full wetsuit and bright sunshine. And I got to go back to my car and get my wrench and, uh, you know, check my hose out. So I left my hood off and my gloves off. I just had to get in the water as quick as I could to cool off. And then I put the gloves back on because I knew I was going to be grubbing in the bottom and wanted to have a little bit of protection. Then uh, the kids, boy, they swarmed us when we got out, didn't they?
1: Oh yeah, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And they always want the lead weight. If you got some unique lead, or even even if you just have lead, can I have one? You know, how can you say no to the kids? Eh.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, I had a, a nice round lead weight that had like a hook on it. I don't know what that's designed to do. It seems kind of sp- specific. So a nice, a nice day. We there was a lot of areas that we went over where there was nothing. It was just bare bottom.
1: It was nice gravel out in the middle. As you got to the bankments, so that's where you got your sediment and your muck,
0: uh-huh. which
1: had maybe ten feet ashore because you didn't have as much current there. True. Oh, very True. nice. Very nice.
0: That was also. Uh, this would be. That had been a great dive for a first-time river diver. Yeah. Because it had it had enough uh, current to where you could have gotten your technique of how you position yourself into the current, and then there was good resting areas where you could recover if you got tired out.
1: Yeah. You just still had to be careful around the bridges because of the snag hazard and the rebar.
0: Yeah. Because there by that uh, second bridge, uh, there's a lot of pilings. Yes. Uh, there's pipes that go across from one side of the river to the other. I imagine it's for communication cables or fresh water or electrical. I'm not sure. Uh, and there were bikes, man. There were that we didn't pull up, they were wedged in the bottom, some dirt bikes and. Oh, and then that uh, that mailbox, not mailbox, uh, newspaper box. Yes, that you saw down there. So you, you know, you're going to have to go over to the Mud Club website and take a look at the photos. But uh, excellent dive. I'm ready to do it again. And the steaks we had from the picnic weren't bad either.
1: No, actually the steaks are very very good, and of course the chicken. Yep. It's really nice having the guys bring their uh, gas grills though, because it cooks so much easier when you got one for the fish, or one for the chicken, one for the steaks.
0: Yeah, if I had my truck working, I'd have brought I'd have brought my grill and we could have cooked everything all in one.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, how much food did we have?
0: It's like oh my uh, goodness, I think everybody brought enough food for eight people. I I, I made the peach cobbler because I knew that you know nobody in my family or at least my immediate family likes peaches other than me. And there's so many, so many peach cobblers I can make or should have. So uh, we made that. Uh, Lucy made her uh a uh, and the blueberry pie.
1: Yeah, I'll take that blueberry pie because that was just absolutely great.
0: You know, I didn't have any of it. It looked awesome. But by that time, you know, we had, the, we had potatoes and we had beans and we had uh, taco salad or oh, tons of food. So excellent club. Everybody had a good time.
1: That's why Rick didn't dive, he just ate too much. He said, There's no way I got my suit on now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that uh now what other dives did you get in this week? Just some more in the river?
1: Yeah, if you take a look at the one picture, uh I got a lot of bones today. I only got one skull. I brought that one up. Uh, I if you take a look at it, maybe you can identify what animal the skull is. Okay. This is it.
0: De- de- oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Uh you go to the treasures, you click on treasures in the mud club's website. And it's loading super high res, probably like 20 megabits. But did you take this with a GoPro or is this with your regular camera?
1: Go GoPro. It was 11 meg max.
0: Oh my goodness! Look at all those lead weights, lead weights and and spark plugs.
1: Well, yeah, you find a spark plug, you're going to find a weight with it too.
0: Yeah. Now and I found
1: problems, a I'm, that's a smart way to do it.
0: Yeah, I found a lead weight that looked a little bit like a sash weight almost. Okay, that and
1: uh, which are the old ones?
0: That skull there, okay. So it's kind of uh is that, is that a rabbit?
1: No, it's not a rabbit. Take a look at his teeth. If you enhance it, that's just one side. i got other shots I'll show you later, but I was thinking either a raccoon, possum, muskrat.
0: It could be muskrat. I'm just, because it's got that front, uh, I'll have to take a look.
1: You see the nose part, easy, and then you can see the orbit where the eye was. And I've got he's got like four teeth on this side and four on the other side. Didn't need a dentist, they were nice and shiny.
0: Well, 'cause it, it seems to be like a rodent, like it would have the front teeth to bite and it's got like the incisors or the uh molars to grind. So right. muskrat not a beaver though.
1: I don't know, just a funny skull look. I, that's what I was curious about. But I was finding a lot of big bones uh look more like cow bones, we could have been a big deer.
0: Yeah, we we found there by Marmont, uh those cow bones. Now, did some of those weights have got uh, some of them have names? Like one of it says Sangless.
1: Oh, that's Snagless.
0: Oh, Snagless. So it's an advertisement for the type of. Uh, yeah, and then there was another one. You got a round one. It looks like it's embossed.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of them are. It's yeah. interesting. You could almost do a, a history display of different anchors or different uh, weights like this, because you can see which ones are homemade. The ones off to the left. Yeah. And then the commercial ones, and
0: yeah, and there's some of those that are very fairly new, like that uh six sided one those always to me just seem to be newer ones, so let's see that's so that was today then,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and then below that we have the drift eye finds, let's see if there's anything in there that we forgot to mention.
1: I did get two corkers, so that made my day, so that's a good one,
0: yeah, I did have a pop bottle, it wasn't anything too terribly interesting. Uh, there's that cap, and I, and it was aluminum, and it was some sort of marketing cap, so I don't know what it was on. And then there's a regular pull tab. Yeah. Uh, and then I had like a body lotion. It was a fairly modern plastic jar that I pulled up, and yeah, Larry must have had his stuff put away because I don't see anything on it. Yeah. And then the one below it was that that was that's been since last week. And that looks like a little bit of milk glass, kind of was that a candlestick holder or something.
1: Which one, a couple of weeks ago?
0: Yeah, where you've got a car in it and then a spray bottle, green glass, bobber.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's broken. It looks like some kind of glass. It's broken at the top, where the like where the stem was going up. Uh-huh. Nothing oh, that could have been sense. like a
0: vase or something.
1: Yeah. You
0: yeah, know, I know they, what Larry found that we didn't get in the photos. What? Didn't he have that? Was it like a flavoring bottle?
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, he had a flavoring bottle, which we, we tend to find those, too. A little bit of emboss to it. Yeah, that's what he had. And then some of you and Papa going on back. Now is that one farther on down? That was when you went with Jim. Is that Howdy Doody?
1: Oh, the Plain Jane. Yeah. Yes, that was that's only I mean. that was last week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> how many how many dives did we do? Looks like time flies. Boy, lead. We we need to weigh this lead. We we should get a scale that we take.
1: That was a plain Jane bottle. It was small. I I just got it because it was unique looking. I mean, small. Got home, cleaned it up, licked the bottom. said, I'm glad I kept that bottle. And then Jim found the uh, Donald Duck bottle. And I'm trying to figure where we put that one at. Did we put that on the, uh, the show and tell?
0: He might have put that on the Mud Club Facebook page.
1: Oh, I bet that's where it's at. That was a cool one. That was a cool one.
0: Yep, so if you haven't liked us on Facebook, you go to facebook.com/scubobsessed. forward slash obsessed. We're there. You have the scuba Obsessed website. Can follow us on Twitter or we have news feeds going on throughout the week. Also make sure you put your pin in our fan map. Let's go to scuba Obsessed about fans and that will take you to the fan map. And then where is everybody going this weekend to dive? Isn't that where the, is that the, like the unofficial early start? To the Sheboygan trip?
1: That's <laughs> the official early start.
0: The official early so we
1: got, start. So Bob, will, Bob will be there this weekend. Um, Maggie and then uh, Rick and Jim are going to go up Saturday. Excuse me, Saturday. Uh, Mary Beth and Jake will be up there Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I will be leaving Tuesday, so I'll be there Tuesday night through the weekend. And then uh, Ken so Larry will be up on Friday, Saturday. And come back Sunday. So next, I mean, maybe not next Thursday, but the one after, we should have a lot of stories on a lot of wreck diving, a lot of grubbing, a lot of river diving.
0: That'll be awesome.
1: Well, they're gonna they're gonna be doing a bottle hunt up there uh, on Wednesday on an inland lake. Uh, I, I saw that broadcast. They're having a uh, a sale and something else on gear uh, the, this weekend coming up, every like weekend. Some of the guys will be up there, may be able to get some stuff. So I am fully anticipating uh, another good week of diving up north.
0: I think your prediction is going to be right.
1: The only thing would be nicer is if there's a guy by the name of Darren who's going to be up there.
0: And, uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it up. I've got to be in Chicago uh, that weekend. So I, I, they haven't, I haven't formalized my schedule yet, but it's not looking good. Yeah. You know, what I need to do is get somebody else lined up to – because my boss is skipping out in the show because he's on vacation, <laughs> so I, I need to get somebody else set up so I can delegate to them to do the show. It used to be later in the year. It used the The show used to be uh, September eleventh, so it would be. A, it seemed like it was a week later. Mm. This is just a weird, yeah. Because it's. Well, I guess it's not too far off. Seventh through the eleventh.
1: We never did get to the quarries this summer.
0: No, th- this summer for me has been odd. I was thinking this was going to be a great diving year for me, and it's just been a little bit different. I, I really think I need to pen in a schedule. It's kind of like say, make a list of every place I want to go, then put dates in the calendar with planned location and backup plan and just make it happen because it just didn't work out that way this year. But there's still t- plenty of time left. Some of the fall divings uh, can be just as good as the summer.
1: I'm looking forward to September, but I do want to get in the air a little more in September.
0: Yeah, we I haven't even been out in Havana or, or Max Rec yet.
1: Well, we were going to go out today, but then you realized that, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe I'd better pack and do a few other items.
0: Yeah, that, that probably was prudent.
1: Yeah, because if he's going to be on the road tomorrow, yeah, packing tonight is good.
0: So, once again, I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. And uh, do we have anything that we need to promote, plug? Uh,
1: nothing that I can think of right now. I know we have the, the wolf item coming up. I think it's, what, the 14th of September? Yeah, I think so. Yep, that's our flea market. That could be fun.
0: Yeah, if you happen to be yep. in the area, you can stop by wolves. And then everybody should have good stories by then.
1: Yeah. Well, the major item is everybody goes up and comes home. That's number one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully uh, Mary Beth can get on some shipwrecks. I don't think she's been on anything that really looks like a shipwreck. Well, is Muskegon. I, oh, she was on the Muskegon?
1: Yeah, I've had her on that twice.
0: Okay. Well, that's a that's a good warm-up one because that gives you the I, idea. Plus, I wish
1: we were going to be up there because I would take them over and do the chief and the leviathan, the tugboat, and then the grubbing wreck, the islander, over on shore.
0: Oh, they're not going to be up?
1: Oh, they're going to be up to three days. I'm not I'm not going to be there until the middle. Oh,
0: okay. So they're yeah, just... they're going to be coming back as you're yeah. going up. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, I wish I could be with them because those are fun places to go.
0: Yeah, because I think I would start her out in the chief and then work my way.
1: Well, and Jake, too. Uh, if he takes his hooker rig, any any of those three will be great for him. And Well, both of them, all three, you know, it'd be
0: oh, just yeah. great. Plus, probably... she, they, probably, they haven't seen visibility like they're going to see up there at Sheboygan.
1: Right. Every time we've been on the Muskegon, if we had five foot, that was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mus- Muskegon's a good one to get you get you a little bit of confidence because usually almost everything has better visibility than that, and like Michigan at least.
1: Well, Muskegon's nice because you got good boilers, the stacks, and you got a heck of a big prop to look at. That's a good photo op.
0: And there's a lot to explore. Yes. And each way you come in on the wreck, it looks like a completely different wreck.
1: Yeah. And it's shallow enough. You should not get psyched out. Nothing else. If you take a flag with you, and I've been taking a flag so the surface people know where we're at, make it a little heavy. You will got kind of a positive feel for the surface. You can always come up. There's no threat. You know, uh, it, it, psychologically, it's a, good, it's a good dive. Yes.
0: Yep. Yes, it is. Well, I think we're to that point of the show, if you're ready.
1: I am ready. I'm sitting down.
0: Okay. On their wedding night, a young bride, who also happened to be a scuba diver, approached her new husband and asked for $20 for their first lovemaking encounter. In his highly aroused state, the husband readily agreed. This scenario was repeated each time they made love for the next 40 years, with him thinking it was a cute way for her to afford new clothes or other uh, incidentals that she needed. Arriving home noon one day, she was surprised to find her husband in a very drunken state. Next, For the next few minutes, he explained that his employer was going to go through a process of a corporate downsizing, and he had been let go. It was unlikely at an age of 59 he was going to be able to find another position that paid anywhere near what he had been earning, and therefore they were financially ruined. Calmly, his wife handed him a bank book which showed more than 40 years of steady deposits and interest totaling $1 million. She then showed him the certificate of deposit issued by the bank, which was worth over $2 million. then informed him that, one of the largest, that uh, they were one of the largest depositors in the bank. She explained that more than three decades she had charged him for sex, those holdings had multiplied, and there were results in the savings and investments. Faced with evidence of cash investments worth over $3 million, husband was so astonished he could barely speak and finally found his voice and blurted out, if I would had any idea this is what you're going to do with the money, I'd have given you all my business. That's when she shot him. Yeah, I I don't know where to go from there. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, Grace. (laughs) So until next time, go out there and get wet.
1: And stay safe.
0: Recording has been completed.